This episode is a sponsored partnership by Keen. So, you finally decided that you want to seek psychic advice. But now you're just sitting there and you're asking yourself, why Keen? Shouldn't I just look into psychics near me? It would probably be a lot easier. Our response? Why would you? Keen connects you with talented tarot readers and astrologers. If you want to get a reading on Keen, it's super easy to start. They've been giving trustworthy readings since 1999, over 35 million to be exact. All you have to do is create an account, and you'll be able to choose from hundreds of readers who are online right now. These readers each have unique specialties designed to provide a deeper understanding of your situation. Want to learn more about your love life? What's your financial future look like? Are you looking for a closure from a deceased loved one? Keen has a reader ready to provide clarity and insight. You can choose whichever reader best suits your needs, and you'll be able to connect via phone call or text. Just go to trykeen.com potential. As a new customer on Keen, you can try your first 10 minutes for only $1.99, which is up to $99 in savings. Once again, that's trykeen.com potential. Get your first 10 minutes for $1.99. And remember, know your potential. Hey, Potential Podcast listeners. If you think you might be feeling depressed, stressed, anxious, or overwhelmed, then our sponsor, BetterHelp, is here to help you. BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to listen and help you. You can talk to your therapist in a private, safe, online environment at your convenience. There's a broad range of expertise with BetterHelp's 20,000-plus therapist network that gives you access to help that may not be available in your area. All you do is simply fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs, and then you get matched with a therapist in just under 48 hours. After that, you can schedule secure video and phone sessions. Plus, you can exchange unlimited messages, and everything you share is completely confidential. Join the over 3 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Our listeners will get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com Potential. That's BetterHelp.com Potential. Take charge of your mental health with BetterHelp. And remember, know your potential. Talking all things entertainment, pop culture, and nerdum. This is the Potential Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Potential Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Dewar, and I'm joined by the the man himself, my co-host and a uh, big time star of this podcast, Taylor Sokol. And you know what, Taylor, today is a very special day because today we are celebrating our one year anniversary since we released our first full episode, Ode to Jim. Get out. Get <laughs> out of here. Can you believe that? One full year since we really kind of launched this podcast. That's insane. It's it's really, I mean, they always, you always have that, you know, phrase, you know, um, time flies and hair and fun, but it's crazy to think 
you know, we'll probably keep saying this, you know, years from now, but literally a year ago and even before that, but this time a year ago, we decided to, you know, do this podcast and, um, it's amazing what we've covered and what we've done, uh, for every episode, you know, that we've kept it sustainable. It's amazing to think like we keep churning out ideas. Yeah. I mean, really, we <laughs> think we started off with just a, a very blank slate of well very uh, simple present okay premise. we have a title and we kind of have what we want to talk about but even then the think how much we've learned in the last year about the podcast community and running a podcast uh you know getting new ideas and really sticking to our brand and trying to branch out on that so there's been you know it's been a lot to a lot to learn um but it's been exciting along the way and you know with everything we've done so far with you know for a year's worth of of hard work but it also, you know, it's been a lot of fun to think that we, you know, for a, a brand new podcast that, you know, isn't uh, world known yet, although it is kind of fun to see that we have uh, world listeners in different countries around the world. Yeah. The fact that we have just, you know, uh, this last weekend, we uh, surpassed 3000 downloads. So that was a pretty big accomplishment for us as a, you know, small up and coming podcast for our first year, we passed 3K. And, you know, that's I think that's a, a pretty big thing to celebrate and something we should be really proud of, uh, you know, moving forward. We're hoping to keep growing that and get more and more as we go. But, um, you know, hey, it just shows that people are listening. They're enjoying it. And we're going to, of course, keep making it because we do love this uh, little little uh, podcast of ours. This yeah, podcast, podcast, baby. Um, yeah. We like to talk and we like to we like I'm glad that, you know, people oh, that's are all we do. Exactly. So might as well uh, put it to good use. This was a smart way to just like, how can we take what we like to do and make it into something? Oh, well, we can do podcasts. Mm -hmm. But I did want to give a, a little bit of some uh, special facts here. So uh, at this point, not including today's episode, this brand new episode we're doing today, but up until our last potential pick, which was the Falcon and Winter Soldier spoiler review. At that point, we had released in one full year, we had an introduction trailer. We had a season two mini trailer. So we had those two trailers, 40 full episodes. We had 30 episodes in our first season, and now we've done 10 so far. This is our 11th of season two. We've done 52 potential picks, our reviews and all the new media. And that includes some past potential picks, a thing we added later in the season uh, with some, you know, checking out old movies or properties we had, one of us had not seen. And we've done eight bonus episodes along the way. For a grand total of just shy of 67 hours of content that we've put out on this podcast. So that right there, I think, is something that we should be really proud of. The fact that we're continually trying to bring as much content to the show as we can, uh, whether it be our full episodes, potential picks, you name it. you know. And we're going to keep keep that up as we go the rest of season two and onward. Because, yeah. uh, of course, our running joke is that we're going to be doing this podcast well until we're in the retirement home <laughs> yeah, when we're down in Florida, Boca Raton. But that, that means if you are listening to this episode right now, you can binge within, you know, three days of everything else. So, uh, you know, you can go back if you want to do that. If that, you know, is something you're into, if you are, then there's other things you better do, but no, still listen to the podcast. Of course. That's what we want you to do. And that, exactly. that is a great thing. If you're, if you're a new listener to this podcast, you know, we have a ton of material. It's already been, uh, posted so go back and check out some of our old episodes it's fun to go back and see everything we've covered because we are we are a unique show in that we can have a wide range of topics and genres 
and nerdum, as we like to say, to talk about. So thanks again for everyone who's listened so far, and we're continuing on to year two of the Potential Podcast. Uh, and today, you know, we thought, well, if a year ago we started with an episode of one of our favorite actors, we thought today we'd talk about one of our favorite shows. Um, you know, we're very passionate about a TV show genre, and especially the comedy genre. Sitcoms has been, you know, such a staple in our life from childhood up until mm-hmm. now. Yeah, and absolutely. there is one sitcom that still is always referred to as like the king of all sitcoms, one of the most accomplished and you know best shows of all time. And it's something that I think you and I have a deep love for, something that we've always uh, connected to, and some of these really just iconic characters. And that, of course, is of Seinfeld. Yep. A show about nothing. Kind of like our podcast. <laughs> we just talk about everything. That's right. Everything and nothing at the same time. Today's podcast is about nothing. <laughs> Um, no, not really. It's kind of about nothing, but you know, no, but so today we're going to have a little chat about Seinfeld. So, uh, stay tuned for that. And again, thanks for listening. And here we go, Taylor. Let's get into that Seinfeld theme song. Oh, there it is. Jerry, George, Elaine, Kramer. Four names that would go down in the history of the greatest Fab Four, probably second to the Beatles themselves. Yeah. Um, one of the best sitcoms of all times, one of the best shows of all time, Seinfeld. A show that me and Taylor have a deep love for, a passion for, a show that ran nine seasons, about 180 episodes, just incredible comedic work. A show that really would stand the test of time and was a huge leap forward in what shows could do, what shows could talk about, while under the idea or the description of a show about nothing. And yet, of course, this show was full of something, uh, a lot of laughter and a lot of love. So, Taylor. Before we kind of break down some of our favorite episodes, which is a very hard task because, God, there's so many. What are your, like, early memories of Seinfeld? I mean, do you have me- memories of the first time you watched the show or, like, how you watched the show? I don't think I can pinpoint the exact first episode I watched. But I do remember just that was kind of – it was on quite often when I was, you know, at home or something I would see that – you know, pop on here and there. And so I remember like just seeing bits and pieces and I like, you know, a lot of the, some of the concepts kind of went over my head, but a lot of the, the jokes and the, these sayings and phrases that would go down in pop culture history. I think those kind of just stuck with me. And I, I really identified with the comedy of, with Seinfeld. I think, you know, with Seinfeld and friends were those big shows that were out around that time, but Seinfeld was it for me. I just, I think I gravitated towards that comedy and I was like, this is, this is comedy. This is, this is something like really cool, but I do just remember it would be like on TV and I would kind of like tune in. And the great thing about the show was there is kind of an overall plot, but like I said, it is a show about nothing. So you could pop on any episode and not need any preconceived or understanding of any of these characters, backstories or whatever, or like a whole plot thread that, 
you know, why are they doing this? And that was great. All episodes pretty much were kind of standalone, just in very similar in fashion to a show like shows like would come on later in history, like the office. So I think that's what, what was great about it. And that's really what stuck, struck a core with me. And that's why I still like, I think I'm, I'm loving that show to this day. Yeah. I, I remember, I don't think I have any memories of really ever watching the show when it actually would come on air. Yeah. You know, like, I don't think I was really aware because of that time period. It's really like, you know, early nineties until like 99. So I'm not really of the age where I'm like knowing about sitcoms and staying up late to watch, you know, a, a Thursday night show or whatever that might, you know, the case might be. I caught into Seinfeld later, more of like middle school uh, and high school for sure. And I remember like on like, for me out in California, it'd be like UPN 13. And I'd have, I had like a small mini TV in my room that only played, you know, the, the, the six main channels with the, the rabbit ear antlers, you know, and I would usually catch from like 10 to 11, there'd always be two reruns of Seinfeld, like Monday through Friday. And like, even if it was past my quote unquote bedtime, I would be watching those shows. And that kind of became a mainstay through high school is I would always catch that. And then eventually, you know, TBS started being a huge era of reruns for Seinfeld. But yeah, it's something about like, there are moments in the show in different seasons where there are is like an arc to like a few episodes or like there's, you know, an over arc to the whole season, but really you just pop on any episode and you're going to have a great time. The writing was so strong on this show to really just have this core group of characters with a very strong supporting cast. You know, we had a lot of recurring characters would pop up all the time and just the ridiculous things that they would get into. These characters are not good people. They are, you know, they are, they're the epitome of all the idiosyncrasies and kind of the bad habits or the, the thoughts or the things that we, we want to do, or we get annoyed with or, or stuff like that, that I think it's, it's basically, they're all walking thoughts and emotions of negativity and, um, uh, you know, not uncouth and a lot of these sins that, that we want to be like that people we want. And I think it's, again, it's, it's a testament to, you know, the mind of Larry David and, you know, the comedy of Jerry Seinfeld was just a winning combination. And all these characters, and a lot of the stuff, it's, you know, they're based in real life things. And then you write what you know, or you write what you live. So it's like, that is kind of the epitome of what the show uh, really symbolized for all, every every episode. Yeah, it's not a, it's not a um, unfamiliar thing to think of comedies where the writers will take inspiration from real life events. But really to see a character like George, which is heavily based off Larry David and his own life experiences, uh, the way that they wove a lot of that stuff in and other people that were on the staff or writers or directors that had things happen to them. And, you know, like Larry David, he had an actual roommate named Kramer for a long time, you know, when he was younger uh, in New York. And so like these kind of funny, like real life moments that they were able to put in to the show uh, made it really, you know, you could connect to the stuff that they were going on, which is usually the sitcom way is that it's supposed to be things that, you know, any day people could get into and then the comedic kind of, you know, downfall or the uprising that can happen from certain events. So it was very smart to think of that team up of Larry David and Jerry Seinfeld. We're now going to go into, again, it's, it was a difficult, difficult task here, but we're going to break down some of our favorite Seinfeld episodes from the series. There's so much to love here, so it's going to be difficult, but we also do not know each other's lists. 
So this is gonna be kind of neat. Kind of a standard with our podcast. We don't like to. We don't really pre-discuss this stuff. Uh, fun fact. So let's start off with season one, Taylor. What was your favorite episode from that season? I would have to go with the number two, episode two, which was the stakeout. Um, why this was great was because first of all, this is, you know, going into this, you really establish a, l- a lot about you know the core, you know, two char- couple characters, with. You know, Jerry, it's just great because it is him trying to court a woman and this whole thing where he, he flips with this woman at this party that he goes to with Elaine and, you know, all he knows is where she works, doesn't get any information. So he's like, oh, this thing called the stakeout. Well, basically you're stalking and he's like, we'll go to work and see if I can approach this girl. But what would really stood out is this would set up a really great thing with George is that George would, would come up with these characters and George was always like the creating these different weird scenarios. And then we get the great uh, alter ego of Art Vandelay, <laughs> which is just so great. Um, and with kind of his ongoing theme of export imports uh, architects. And, you know, that that's what I just love about it. Cause it would just, the simplicity of it, but it also just, it would set up a lot for later episodes, later seasons. Well, for me, a similar thing was for episode three, the robbery. Uh, this was a big episode in terms of setting up realistic, the, the, the issues of Kramer being the next door neighbor that constantly comes over. And then, you know, there is a friendship between Jerry and Kramer. And so he trusts Kramer sometimes to watch his apartment, but Kramer being the loose cannon that he is and is sometimes forgetful or thinks in other ways, uh, doesn't always apply the correct amount of logic. And in this episode, Jerry comes back from, you know, a, a working comedian. He goes back from a couple of gigs and he walks into his apartment and realizes that it's been robbed. And he's like, how can this happen? I, I bought uh, this industrial lock. That's like the best lock on the market. And he's asking Kramer, well, what happened? He's like, ah, I, le- I left the door open. He's like, what do you mean? You left the door. You left the lock open, or the door open. He's like, and I left the, the door open. So of course, the lock was not going to work because the door was not closed, which led to my one of my all-time favorite lines of Jerry going, this lock is the best lock on the market. It has only one flaw. The door <laughs> must be closed. And then Kramer goes, yeah, I'm only human. <laughs> Jerry yeah. goes, in your way. <laughs> yeah. And again, it just sets up great stuff for later on their dynamic of mm-hmm. uh the 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 use of his apartment and just how Kramer just feels so like the whole the classic of him walking in and out of the apartment it it really kind of defines the relationship throughout the seasons from that point on and something that I think they didn't really quite have uh yet decided with but was going to become a mainstay bit for Kramer was the the classic him kind of shoving the door open and and, and sliding through, yeah. uh, which become a huge thing throughout the whole show of him always just kind of like yeah, the audience would the always cheer and everything. Yeah, right, that right, was yeah. his big entrance moment, you know? Uh, so that was kind of a little hint at that. And then the other thing too was, uh, you know, Elaine always seems to be not really happy with her apartment through the series. <laughs> She's always hunt, hunting and, you know, George, although George at times through the series does kind of go down a path of not wanting to work at all. Uh, he did start to show off as a real estate agent. So he's helping Jerry try to find an apartment. And we see again, this, you know, this was also a unique thing with the show to have a character 
that is an ex of the other character, but they're still trying to keep the friendship, something that they'll play with on and off throughout the whole, whole series. And so we see a bit of flirtatious history, you know, even when they're off apartment hunting, uh, there's that great moment I love when Elaine sees the walk-in closet and she walks into it and then Jerry closes it and he's like, I like that. <laughs> and then he opens it again. He looks so mad. Which, yeah, which is so great to see like how they established it. Like they used to date and then they don't and they didn't dive into it, but it like it became a mainstay. They would briefly bring it up, but it never affected their friendship. They would continue mm-hmm. to be these great friends um, throughout the series, which is, is so funny. Well, Taylor, moving on to season two. Uh, what's your first pick for season two? Uh, my first pick was the phone message, which was the ninth episode and uh-huh. the season. Um, uh, well, the ninth episode of the show, fourth in the season, excuse me. The This was fun because, again, I'm a huge fan. You'll notice my picks. I, I love George. George is one of my favorite characters. I think we see a little bit of ourselves with George. But this is a great episode with George because the main thing of the you know the title is he you know goes out with this girl and then he um you know screws up and then he ends up leaving this message and he keeps leaving obnoxious messages and realizes crap you know i need to get these messages off her phone so concoct this is one of the great concoctions of george's mind he always comes with these plots uh, especially when it involves women and of course this is a little dated obviously because we don't have phone messages so yeah it, <laughs> you'll notice a lot of these episodes we talk about Unfortunately, some of them are dated because of the technology today. Mm-hmm. It does change the parameters of Seinfeld. So a new new viewer to Seinfeld today, um, who's much younger and, and not, you know, what's a what's a fax? You know, they're going to look at these like, well, that's, you know, silly. You don't have a cell phone, but you have to kind of suspend your disbelief for a different time. But it's just so funny, this whole world. I mean, if, you, if you think if you think about if you think for kids today that love the office and some of that is dated. Yeah. You have to remember that Seinfeld predates the office. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Even even more so. But I just I love this scene like where like when George goes out with this, they're they're both going on dates, Jerry and him are going, but they're like so excited. And George goes out with this girl and the classic line, which is it's still a great line. It's like, you want to come up for some coffee? And he's like, I don't like coffee. Keeps me up at night. And of course, it's a euphemism like, hey, you want to come up and, you know, uh, yeah. and he's just realizes he blew, blew it. And like how many times of us guys we've like, wait, was that wait, was that a come on? So it was just great because he, you know, he calls her up and he screws up the message. And of course, how many times we've we done that? Thankfully, nowadays, if you call someone, you can delete the message before you send it. So <laughs> but it's just so funny, this whole thing where the, this whole plot, he finally, get, you know, there, he's going to change the tape when they get to her place. And then he finds out at the very end, oh, I did hear messages. Oh, they were hilarious. I love that kind of humor. So it just it's one of those great endings where it does work out in, in, a, in a good way. And it just left with like just but it's so funny that the this shows the lengths that George will go to, you know, solve a problem like he is. He has no shame. Uh, my first pick is episode seven, The Revenge, which oh. does include George quitting his job because he's upset above his boss and then he decides just to come back to work as if nothing happened as if he'll just <laughs> yes. forget it which of course uh, no he's gonna remember and he's you know Costanza what are you doing here you know everyone's acting like didn't you didn't you quit and he's like no no that was all a joke <laughs> quit what do you mean yeah. quit <laughs> and that's actually you know Larry actually said he actually did that in real life so that's just a Again, a great George moment where he's just like, I'll just act as if nothing happened. But the key, the key core element of this episode 
is Jerry, you know, living in New York, goes to a laundromat. And at some point he had uh, an envelope of money from a gig that he left in a laundry bag. And so he gets his laundry back and the money is missing. So he thinks that the, the guy who owns the laundromat uh, might have taken it. Of course, if you know that actor, we recognize him for uh, Ace Ventura. He's the guy that uh, Jim Carrey kicks to the curb and tries to get him to eat the cockroach or, you know, lick it. Yeah, a guado. <laughs> so he, Jerry's mad at this guy because he thinks he took his money. So Kramer decides, you know what? Uh, you got to make it revenge. And he's like, well, how do I do that? He's like, I'll go down with you and I'll pour cement into one of the laundry machines so that it'll, you know, whip up the water and it'll get hardened. And it'll ruin his thing, you know? And of course, Jerry doesn't want to go through with it, but then decides to, and this was really the first episode that I can, you know, there's been a few definite moments, but this was a first real solid uh, showing the physical comedy that Michael Richards really knew how to do so well. Um, you know, Jerry's trying to talk to the owner and try to be very nonchalant. And in the background, we're just seeing the hijinks of Kramer. He's struggling to get the cement in there and falling over. Get, first off, he's trying to get the laundry door open, which keeps shutting. And so that, you know, he keeps, and he keep, and then of course, a lot of the cement powder goes everywhere. He's, it gets in his eye. And I just love that moment where he gets the door slightly open. He starts to lift the bag up and then the door shuts. And then, of course, then he slams on top of the lid. And so, of course, it's just uh, a total nightmare. And it's, it's some of the best physical comedy. And you could tell that early on, uh, Richards was really, really down to, uh, you know, do everything. He, he, he wanted could. to go all out. He wanted to ham it up. Yeah. So a great episode. I love I love that physical comedy and the revenge. I have to go with episode 11, the Chinese restaurant. Yes, me too. Me too. Yes. Okay. We can, we can have fun with this one. Now, of course, this is a great, you know, you have so many shows that have what I call filler episodes where nothing really happens. Of course, the show, there's a lot of that where nothing happens because the show is about nothing. But this is quintessential Seinfeld where, again, their plot is is in one location the whole time. And, and nothing gets moved forward, but it shows all the great idiosyncrasies of the characters. So, I mean, this is, first of all, it's a, a situation that we all can relate to waiting forever to eat dinner, especially when you're waiting, you know, oh, it's going to be this long, this long. So there's just, there's just a great, you know, bit uh, with them keep coming up to the Mater D and he's just, <laughs> he's like, oh yeah, I said, you know, it take long, this long and everything. And which What's is your name? Seinfeld Full? Uh, five ten minutes, and he keeps yeah. saying that. And you know, great, great character actor James Hong, who oh, we've yes. seen in so many things. Uh, he's had such a long career. A voice acting a and everything, absolutely. Voice acting, you know, movies. Um, you know, he's he's done a ton, and this was a great episode for him. And it's just the way that he comedically keeps playing the fact that he he, he doesn't like. Uh, try to advance their time he's not you know he's very just like that casual restaurant mater d but then we get yeah we get some great humor with like elaine elaine is so hungry she's oh, like she's starving yeah I'll, 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 I'll go up to a stranger and eat some off their plate and jerry's like i'll give you 50 bucks for it so of course she goes up to a table and she's nervous she's not really going to go through it so she's like hey um I'll give you 25 bucks. My friend just bet me 50 bucks. I could just take an egg roll. And of course the table's like, who is this lady? Like uh, yeah. chickens out. <laughs> I, love when, chickens out you know? I love when she's like to George, would you do it, George? <laughs> do I? 
for 50 bucks i'd blow put those yeah. stickers around the soup and blow <laughs> like it just and of course he's dealing with again oh my all gosh. his his romantic woes because this is a great like again this is like larry david it's finest mm-hmm. so costanza he's like anxious because his girlfriend they were having sex and he had to use the bathroom but he was a little nervous about it so he decided to go somewhere else and again i think when you we all have that when we're like ah oh, we don't know each other that well and i don't want to use the so he keeps trying to leave this message and again this is again showing a little bit of the datedness of it but he keeps trying to use the phone machine and everyone the pay phone yeah the pay phone phone, people keep constantly using it and i just love that he's so frustrated people's like we're living in a society we're living in a society here (laughs) you have to act a certain way he's so angry this is this is a great thing where you, you start to see how the rules in his mind are of how society should should act and yet he's also in many times does the opposite and does the rude thing. So um, yeah, just a great episode. And then of course it leads to them going, you know what, let's just go somewhere else. And right as they leave in the end credits, you hear the major D go Seinfeld four. Yeah. <laughs> and the episode ends uh, just a classic, one of the classic Seinfeld episodes. Uh, it's just an all time time. Great. So I was not surprised that we both had the same one moving on to season three. My first episode of season three is episode six, The Parking Garage. <laughs> and mine, mine, one of mine too. Oh, great, great. Okay. Well, this is this is a great episode. Uh, the Fab Four, as I call them, just because it's easier that way. Uh, the Seinfeld Four, uh, they're at a shopping mall and they're done shopping for the day and they're going to go try to find the car. Kramer drove them there. And this is something that we've all had happen to us at some point or other. You park your car somewhere and then you forget where you parked it and you spend, you know, forever trying to find the car. Uh-huh. So this was another one where it was an episode like all pretty much taking place in one central area was an actual parking garage they filmed in. And it's, them, you know, trying to go around trying to find the car. And then it kind of splits off into fun little kind of separate adventures. Um, and I love that. First off, Elaine has bought a fish from like a little pet store. So she's freaking out that if we don't get home in time, the fish may die. And she keeps going around and asking people if they'll be nice enough to drive her to the car. And no one says yes. It's like, everyone's so rude. Yeah, yeah. Everyone besides them, like the the nastiest people. And and I love them, again, talking about physical comedy, you know, Kramer is struggling to carry this air conditioner. This huge air conditioner. And now he's struggling and dropping it and slamming around. But then a moment that maybe some of us have experienced as well, yeah. anywhere on the road, I don't know if I've ever done this in a, in a parking garage, but, um, you know, sometimes you're, you're, you're stuck in a situation, you're going to go to the bathroom, you're like, well, I just, if you got to go, got to go. So Jerry decides to go pee on the wall. And then, of course, a mall cop sees him and <laughs> takes him in. And then eventually George does the same thing <laughs> and is caught as well. So they're like in mall jail for a second. Yes. I love that it kind of it kind of accumulates this moment where they all get to the car but then Kramer's not there. So it's like they're still stuck there because no one has the keys. And then eventually Kramer does show up, but he's still carrying that huge air conditioner. <laughs> yeah. And everyone else is like left. Like they're the only car left. And there's this great moment that actually part of it they kept in the scene and part is a, it's a, a wonderful blooper, although Michael Richards really did hurt himself. He opens up the trunk to put this giant box in and actually as he's doing, he kind of falls into it and he actually hits his mouth on the box, you know, it kind of like smashes into his lips. Yeah, yeah. And um, you can watch the blooper, the three of them 
cannot they're all looking away because they're they're just cracking up and you know richards is trying to continue in character you know elena really hurt myself and then you see it even he starts to crack up because he's like oh crap you know but he gets in the car and they're all ready to go and he actually in the actual finished episode that did air as kramer's trying to turn the car which of course the joke is that the car doesn't start you can actually see george elaine and jerry are all laughing because of that air conditioner moment they they're they're losing it which is something that i think is always fun about sitcoms is we know obviously bloopers are something we love to watch because we love seeing the actors mess up and Uh some of those jokes but sometimes based on scheduling and filming and stuff sometimes shots get kept in where someone might slightly break or something it's just you know gotta go with the (laughs) flow but it adds but it adds to the scene adds to the comedy because it's you know and and you don't realize with with the show with this show there were so many bloopers and i think oh, it was funny yeah. to see in richards especially he would keep character so well but he would get annoyed because i think elaine uh uh julie louise drivers she broke the most Probably, in seeing yeah. a lot of these and i think that was the thing she was always cracking up and jerry and jerry would do it secondly i think uh jace alexander and richards were the michael and George, michael and jason were more of the at that time, the more consummate professional in terms of just let's keep the work day going. Um, but yeah, Richards would definitely, you could see that in some of the bloopers, he would get a little upset. I he, agree, wanted yeah. to, he wanted to keep the magic going and keep it going. But you know, sometimes it's like, you got a little loose, man. I mean, it's a funny moment. My second one would be the 16th episode, the fix up. Now, <laughs> why I love this one is just great because this is quintessential george throughout the series he's always woe is me and i've given up or i've done this so he's getting up and dating and uh this is great because there's these great split scenes between uh with jerry and and george and you've got elaine with her friend uh maggie jackson who we know from seinfeld or from friends and she played janice oh my god yeah so (laughs) and this is just great because the dialogue in this episode is just so just so perfect. And what I mean by that is you, George has just some of the best lines where they're trying to set each other up uh, with each other's friends. And I love where they're trying to describe each other uh, to, to their perspective uh, dates. And, you know, George is like, you know, we're talking to me. He's like, so what you like? Does she have a lot of hair? You know, do I lose my hand in there? Is there a nice hue? There's a hue. And, and he's just so nitpicky about this girl. And it's like, come on, George, look at you. And, <laughs> And then I even like when Elaine's talking to her friend, Cynthia, and she's like, oh, he's great. He's snuggly, you know, stocky. He's fat. And it's like, no. And he's like, he's, is he bald? No, he's balding, you know? And then, so the, really they all, the three main characters get a lot of great dialogue. And again, it just, it's just funny seeing that whole kind of like, and then, and then the end when the episode where uh, there's a scare with Cynthia, you know, I think she may be pregnant. And then George is like, I want to be a father. You know, and he's just really, really excited about it. And, you know, and it, it, it kind of goes full circle. Going one of those episodes kind of starts or begins where, you know, they're all eating and then they meet at dinner again. But so it is, it is a very fun episode. I just love the, love the dialogue, especially with this one. So now we're going into season four and uh, my pick for this one, which <laughs> if you haven't picked this one, something wrong. Uh, I have to go with the contest. Yeah, episode 11. Yeah. Uh, which Larry David won the Emmy for writing for this episode, outstanding writing. So, yes, he did. Uh, um, yeah, this is a great episode. <laughs> this is a great episode because, again, we've got our, this is a great episode 
purely because of the content, but we've got our four main characters. We got Jerry, George, and Lanny Kramer, and they hold this a contest to determine who can go for the longest without, uh, you know, self uh, gratification. Masturbating, Taylor. Yeah, masturbating. Say. Yeah, okay. Um, but it's funny because NBC at the time thought that this was a topic not suitable for primetime television. This is something that never really would happen. So the word masturbation is never used in the episode. And they're able to get away with it perfectly. And then, of course, oh, this yeah. comes out the term of master of my domain, king of the castle. And, you know, describing someone who resists the urge to masturbate it became a catchphrase. And it just, it just so great because they're all... The show, first of all, shows great friendship with all three of them. This fun, or four of them, this fun playfulness with them, and just the the beginning part of the episode when they're sitting in the the cafe, and <laughs> this love when they're talking about it, like, oh, that's fine, you know, like when Elaine's like trying to compare it, like I want it, no, oh, you have to, you have to pay more, you know, because you're a woman is like, you know, it, it's different for us. It's like shaving. I shave my legs not every day. Great, <laughs> like these great lines and. Yeah, <laughs> it, it just perfect because each character, you know, it, it just represents themselves so well. And uh, of course, Kramer, he's out. He's out first because he sees this he's a woman. naked woman. And he's like, I'm out of the contest. Like he's I'm like, and it's like real quick too. Yeah. And you know, which I love it. There's this common element. A couple of these episodes where George's mom ends up in the hospital, and uh, so you know, and you see the shadow, the shadow puppets or the shadow people when he's yeah, like, you see the the next door, you know. His mom has her hospital bed and then the patient that's right across from her. And there's, of course, you know, a sheet between them. So all he sees is a silhouette. And, you know, of course, he's thinking, all right, here's my mom be nice. And then the next door patient has an extremely attractive nurse starting to do a sponge bath. Yeah. And George starts to, you know, sweat a little bit and he keeps looking. And, of course, he doesn't want to lose the contest. He's like, I got to get out of here, mom. Yeah. And, of course, Please. then he comes back. And, and his mom's like, oh, you came to visit me? Of course, you're my mother. And then he's yeah. like, oh, I was like, I'm hungry. You're like, oh, a little bit. I just got here. <laughs> he's trying to watch the show. And she's getting yeah. mad, George, I'm hungry. And and then, of course, we've got Elaine, who's uh, got the hots for John F. Kennedy Jr. Jr. Yeah, at her, at her, uh, at her gym. Which, yeah, that was a great plot. That And that's something that, something that kind of kicks in a, a few times, that she kind of has a, a love for powerful men or you know uh -huh. upper class men if you will um and you know seinfeld was a great show that had a lot of great guest stars and uh especially young female stars that would either go on to bigger shows or down the line would star in other shows uh we had jane levy's in this who of course if you know her from fraser um she was jerry's girlfriend marla who was a virgin yes so you know he's trying to butter her up to get her to finally give up her virginity but then she finds out about the contest and she gets so upset that she leaves and i love that the episode ends with her losing her virginity to john f kennedy jr somehow they met well, up and it, and it shows like a really good thing where a lot of these episodes where someone's mistakes or pratfalls end up and then when again when all the kind of uh storylines combine or intersect which is so great it's like oh this happened because of you mm -hmm. and yeah just 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 very great it was just a quintessential seinfeld and again one of the best episodes no wonder uh won the emmy but yeah just so funny and something i think seinfeld always did really well and other sitcoms of this time was we were starting to show a lot more of the equal balance of uh sex and sexual desire from both men and women we were seeing that you know 
more of an equal play. And this was a great episode to kind of showcase that, um, you know, Elaine loses after Kramer. She eventually goes out as well. So we actually don't know who won between George and Jerry. Uh, it's left to the imagination, but it's kind of funny that of the four, uh, you know, Kramer's out and then Elaine's out and then we don't know. And you so. see these great scenes with them, like sleeping like babies. At oh, the yeah. End. yeah. Uh, that was a, that was great. The montage sequences where they show them if they had not relieved themselves, they've been they couldn't sleep. They kept tossing and churning. And Kramer's like out like a light every night. <laughs> yeah. he, he's relieved. So that was great. Well, let's see if you're see if we're connected here again. I'm I'm cheating slightly for my last one of episode four. Uh, it's a double episode. I'm going with episodes 23 slash 24, The Pilot. A theme of this season was, as Jerry's a, com- a comedian, something that we see a lot of times in real life, uh, NBC, you know, hunts him down to see if he would want to write a sitcom based off his life and his comedy. And he ends up getting George along to be his writing partner. And earlier in the season, we see some funny moments where they're trying to write some scripts and it takes them all day and they get nothing done. Um but this is the kind of the big, uh, you know, ending of the season where they do actually get to start filming Jerry. And first off, it's really fun to see like some of the people that they cast to play the characters that are playing these characters in the show. So we have like Larry Hankin as Kramer and Jeremy Piven as George. <laughs> yes. Uh, which is so fun to watch because you think like he looks older in Seinfeld. Then he did like an entourage, like he de-aged as he got older. It just kind of looks so funny. But um, absolutely, I love that we have, you know, they have like the audition sequence. And this is a great where, you know, we're seeing the actors come into audition. And there's this great plot where the guy who's playing, you know, he's playing um, Kramer within the show. Uh, George is so distracted because he thinks that this guy stole the box of raisins off the audition desk. And it becomes this whole like, you know, they keep stopping and he's like, did you take the raisins? And Jerry's trying to be like, let's move on. You know, like, we, you know, we, well, again, yeah, go into George's like obsession. Like he can't let things, he can't let things go. And a lot of the characters can't either. That's the thing. And I love that, you know, Kramer wants to audition for his own part. Um, but, you know, halfway through his audition, he, he has to go to the bathroom and just like leaves and he can't find a bathroom. <laughs> so he like gets constipated. It's a whole mess. And uh, the girl that, uh, gets cast as Elaine wants to be called Elaine wants to date Jerry to you know she's like a oh, very she method, method actress yeah and he's kind of like into it at first and then it kind of gets weird later um, and it's just kind of fun like we're having this whole huge moment with the show so very 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 meta you know but I love that um, uh, Bob Baladan who plays Russell the guy who is running NBC at the time he's falling for Elaine and to kind of put him down easy Elaine's like you know I don't really date a guy that really would do something good like I don't know Greenpeace so then he ends up joining Greenpeace <laughs> and you know this whole ending too we've had that whole plot in season four of uh, crazy Joe Davola who keeps popping up in the, the opera uh, episode especially and he kind of jumps out of the crowd going six Tyrannus," yeah. <laughs> and he you know stopped the episode and it just becomes a huge mess of an episode and then the new lady that runs NBC ends up actually turning down the show so it's this kind of fun moment where the, the pilot does air and we see other characters throughout the season watching the pilot and they're kind of enjoying it but in the end it all kind of goes to waste and we see russell out on greenpeace he's actually out like on a boat you know trying to hunt down like you know pirates and stuff it was just a great kind of ending to that whole you know doing the tv show arc for season four 
Well, going into my episode um, that I, I had to pick um, was the outing. Uh, and this is this is just a great episode because this is perfect. This full focus is Jerry and George. And again, their relationship, you know, there's hints, you know, how they how they're portrayed that, you know, they could be, you know, an intimate couple. You know, they argue about stuff. They're really just very close. And this whole this whole concept where they're they're joking with Elaine you know, at Monk's, uh, and you know, that they're, you know, a gay couple and then this person interviewing them and it's just a great, you know, the double entendre when then they get interviewed and they're arguing and, uh, <laughs> and then it, you know, they say it comes out, Oh, they're actually gay. And then they're all like, you know, not there's anything wrong with that, but it's just so great because of all these little situations they get themselves in. They're like, Oh, I should have known. And, you know, Kramer is like, well, could you tell me you're young, thin, <laughs> single, neat. He's like, so are you. So there's just these great, you know, bits of it. And I think it's very funny because at the time, Larry David and Jerry, Jerry were really concerned about if it would offend the gay community. But the outing had won the Glad Media Award. And yeah. Gay being an alliance against defamation for outstanding comedy. So I think this it just goes down with just really great, again, you know how how the the dialogue is done but this is so funny because these all these these moments even like george is trying to break up with his girlfriend and she won't break up and i was like no i'm like it's like oh did you read this article i'm gay and he tries to like just so many great great bits of dialogue in that but that just whole con the whole plot was just fantastic moving on to season five one of my all-time favorite episodes uh one of the best monologues of the entire show uh, which has a little fun trivia to it. Uh, going to episode 14, The Marine Biologist. So in this episode, Jerry runs into George's college crush, Diane, and they're talking for a bit, and he goes, whatever happened to George? And he goes, oh, well, uh, he became a marine biologist. And it actually gets her excited and asks for his number. So, of course, George is now upset, thinking, how am I going to pretend? I can't pretend to be a marine biologist in front of this lady. Um, and meanwhile, Kramer has got a huge, you know, Think of titleless balls. He's going out to the, the beach, the ocean, hit these balls into the water, but he does it terribly. He only ends up hitting one ball into the water. We get this great moment where they're back at Monk's and they're kind of like trying to, you know, they're talking, talking. George comes in. He looks very like heroic, stoic at the same time. And they're like, what's going on? And he goes, we're down by the beach. And he's like, the sea was angry that day, my friends. And he does this whole monologue where he talks about how he went out into the water to find this the, this whale and he goes, the great fish, mammal, whatever. And it's this great, like the way the dialogue was written and the fun fact about it was Jason Alexander was given that monologue about 10 minutes before they filmed it. They wrote that whole monologue overnight. And when it got to the actual day of filming, uh, they asked Jason, do you think you'd be okay with this? We're gonna shoot very soon. And he's like, I'm a quick, I'm a quick learner. And literally within like 10 minutes, he had it down and they only did like one take, one or two takes. And just the idea that he built up this whole idea of him not believing he could be a marine biologist. He goes to this whale, him somehow getting on top of the beast, seeing that something's obstructed in the blowhole. He pulls it out and he puts it in front of Kramer and it's clearly the golf ball. I know, is and that a titleist? You see Kramer's fear on his face for a second, like, and he's like, is that a titleist? And just the the just the writing, the humor, the way that really played together, it is just one of the best moments in Seinfeld. They say it's one of the 
they actually had to cut it down for the episode, but the laugh track of the audience was about a minute long. And they were like, that's too long for the actual aired episodes. So they actually cut it down. But they said, it's still one of the, it's one of Jerry's favorite moments that ever happened in the episode, in any of the episodes. And it's just, it's so funny. So I love that sequence from the marine biologist. The scene was angry. The scene was angry that day, my friends. <laughs> like an old man trying to return soup in a deli. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, here and these, uh, it'll, it'll, you'll laugh at my, my selections here, but I'm going with my first one on this was the Hamptons. Oh, that's a good one too. And I think this is, you know why? Because I have a lot of love for this episode. I think just because it, of all the lines, all the catchphrases, this is just some of the, the, the best one. And again, I was in the pool. Like I will, will forever just say that this is my favorite part of this episode and a favorite line throughout the series. What I love about this episode is great because the whole gang is going to up to the Hamptons to see um, they're, you know, going to stay with their friends who have the, this new baby, you know, and they, baby, those, yeah. you gotta see the baby. And there's all yeah, this, this whole plot. Right? And of course the baby's ugly, which is some great comedy there, but they're all going on this, this whole weekend trip. And it, what's great about this episode is that it shows that you can take these characters. They don't have to be in an apartment in New York. You put them in any scenario, any environment, and they're golden. It's just, it's just the comedy that follows them. And uh, this is great because George like is trying to hook up with his girlfriend. He's like, "Oh, this is gonna be perfect. It's a long weekend." And then Jerry's, you know, girlfriend, you know, going there. And of course, we get this great thing where George uh, um, goes to the pool. And it was cold, and um, man, we know about shrinkage. And uh, he gets, she walks into him, and it's just the whole scene when he's just like shaking his hand. I was in the pool. I was in the pool, and then he's just trying to recover from this whole time. His girlfriend uh, leaves him because uh, she doesn't know the whole story, the the whole large story. Uh, he's a big fellow, and so that's just great. And I love even even Elaine, you know, trying to like hit on this doctor, and he's just like, "Oh, you're quite breathtaking." And it is the word, and she's just like, "What's going on?" And Kramer getting the lobster. So yeah, it just it just that that whole episode was just so great, um, and just the whole shrinkage thing is just just fantastic. Well, my, my last episode for season five is episode twenty-two, the opposite. This <laughs> yes. is the final episode of season five. Yeah, okay, we're on the same side here. I knew we would be. Um, so George, being one of the best you know characters in TV history, this was a great episode where he got to a moment where he's like, you know everything I ever decided to do has just been terrible for me. And Jerry's like, well, by that rationality, if you do the opposite, hey, you know, maybe it'd be good for you. So George decides to take on this whole kind of mentality of I'm going to do the opposite of every natural instinct I have. So he goes up to this attractive woman at Monk's and she turns around and he goes, hello, my name is George. I'm unemployed and I live with my parents. And she kind of looks and goes, hi, who are you? And she's totally <laughs> into him. And he kind of turns to Jerry like, it worked. And it leads to this whole great just episode where George is dating this girl and he keeps doing the opposite of what he thinks he should do. Uh, one of my favorite moments is at one point they're in the movie theater. Oh, yes. And you're watching this movie and there's these two numbskulls behind them that kept, you know, they keep talking to the screen. They're laughing. And... The girlfriend goes, uh, what should we do about it? And he goes, it's okay. You know, should we leave? And he goes, no, no, no. I'll take care of it. That won't be necessary. Yes. And he turns around and goes, stop 
kicking the chairs and trying to watch the movie. And, and the, like, two, the two punks, are, they, they freeze. And he's like, look, look, you want to try me? Go ahead. Because I would love it. I know. I was like, let's take this outside. And it's it just like. And they're toy. And like the, the audience like applauds him. And he kind of feels like a hero. And then at one point, you know, she's like, you want to come up to my apartment? And he's like, no, it's too soon. Like, again, kind of a callback. And it just, it leads to these funny moments. And then, of course, we're going to get to what's going to be a huge plot point for him in the next few seasons is he gets a job interview at the Yankees. And he actually meets Steinbrenner, who is, of course, voiced by Larry David. And he just tells him off, like, you're in your your management skills with this team has just been putting him down and blah blah and then the guy goes hire this man <laughs> and so he somehow gets a job uh working for the yankees so it was a a great episode for george where his life takes a giant way up mm-hmm. and at the same time elaine is going on the downhill point she she gets kicked out of her apartment there's this whole scene where you know she has her boyfriend who gets in an accident and before she goes to the hospital, she decides to stop at the movie theater to get some juji fruits, which does not sit with him well. So he yeah. breaks up with her. And then there's a the whole scene, you know, her publishing company she works for. Uh, they're about to do a deal with this Japanese group. And her boss is like, um, Elaine, and he goes in, he's got a cold. And <laughs> she has the juji fruits. And he's like, you forgot your handkerchief. Yeah. You forgot your handkerchief. Uh, so the deal doesn't go through. It's the publishing company basically crumbles so she loses her job so she's lost her job her apartment her boyfriend and so she realizes that she's become george (laughs) and she has a george yeah he has glasses on like a big sweater and she's like i'm george and jerry's just loving it because he's even steven as kramer calls him he's like no matter what happens to me if i lose a gig i get a gig i lose 20 bucks i get 20 bucks george was down now he's up you were up now you're down i'm even (laughs) and it's just a great like his like no cares loving life situation so uh just a great episode and also you know knowing kramer he's been working on that uh coffee table book about coffee tables and it turns into a coffee table and it turns into a coffee table (laughs) yes and he goes on to kathy reaches and kathy lee and then of course ma'am and sues and he ends up spilling coffee on kathy lee and just a huge mess and of course the book tour uh gets canceled so uh a fantastic closer to season five uh and just you know, fun way to set up that George is going to now have more of a steady job moving forward with the Yankees, which is going to play in for some great episodes. So Taylor, let's take a quick break here. And when we come back, we'll talk about seasons six through nine of our favorite episodes of Seinfeld. Giddy up. Hey, listen, Jerry. Have you heard of these podcasts? Of course, Kramer. They are very popular these days. I'm sorry, Kramer. What is a podcast? Oh, George, they're wonderful. Just people talking about all sorts of topics. It's delightful. (laughs) It's the new version of radio, really. Yes, but Jerry, why is it called a podcast? The iPod! It changed everything. Where do you listen to these podcasts? They have podcast apps right on your phone. You better believe it. Who is it? It's me. Come on up. So people just record themselves talking? Fascinating. 
You know, I have an idea that I think would be amazing. You create a building where people come in and they record their own podcast. We've got all the equipment and you pay for the time you want to record. And we put it all on the same channel. Huh? How about that? Raymer, that wouldn't work. The flow of the show wouldn't go. Hi, Lainey. Huh? Oh, she's got those little headphones in. Sorry. <laughs> I was listening to a podcast. What do you call those little headphones? Apple earpods. I love them. You see? The pod! <laughs> Elaine, if you could go to a place and pay to record your own podcast, would you do it? You know what? That does sound like a good idea. You see, guys? This could work. Kramer? You can't just have people coming in and touching the same equipment. Not everyone knows how to do all that. Oh, come on. George, George, you're a bright guy. What would you like to talk about? Me? Um, I, I don't know. Come on. It can be about anything. Um, uh, well, I like baseball. There you go. Talk about baseball. Or about that toupee. Okay! George is getting upset! Okay, okay, just calm down. Podcast really can... Hello, Jerry. Hello, Newman. What do you want? I've come to ask for my microphone back from Kramer. Yeah, 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 don't worry, I got it. Right, hold up. What does a mailman need with a microphone? Interview all the dogs on your route? <laughs> well, Elaine, good one. But no, I have a podcast to record. Here you go. Thanks, buddy. I owe you one. Wait, Norman, you have a podcast? Oh, yes. I've been running it for years. Oh, yeah? Well, what's it about? <laughs> it's about you, Jerry. <laughs> you know, it's quite good. Newman here has an excellent speaking voice. Me? Oh, what does that mean? I shan't say. You'll just have to subscribe and find out. <laughs> Ta-ta. <laughs> no one can have a podcast. So can I, Jerry. So can I. Well, uh, what about you, Jerry? Are you in? Nah, I'm good. I already get paid to talk. And we're back. Well, Taylor, we're back talking about Seinfeld, our favorite Seinfeld episodes. So, Taylor, start us off with your number one pick for season six. You got it, buddy. So I'm going to go with episode 11, The Switch. Yes, same here. Uh, oh, you have this one too? Yeah. Oh, all right. Nice. Very good. All right. So this is great because there's, uh, there's, you know, two kind of... Uh, there's a lot of really great plots going on with this and why I kind of picked this and, and, you know, kind of talk about it. And one of my favorite things right off the bat is again, the hijinks of Jerry when he's trying to navigate his dating life. And I love that he's dating this woman that doesn't laugh at his jokes or anything like that. And he meets her roommate who 
very attractive, very into him. And he's like, I'm dating the wrong roommate. So how do I figure this out? And this is great because this is where him and George scheme together. And I love when they get together because George actually, he has really good ideas when he puts his mind to it. Um, they don't always work out for him, but they can work out for the people. So I love when he's like, Oh, I, I know how he can fix this. He's like, uh, finally they spent hours figuring this out. And then he's like hours. It literally, it's like takes forever. And then he says, Let's do a suggest a threesome. And so the one girl will be disgusted and then tell tell her roommate that he wants, who will be flattered and paving the way for Jerry to ask her out. And what happens is it backfires in a good way that both the roommates are like, Yeah, I really want to do it. <laughs> and Jerry's like, Whoa, this is, not what I, this is not what I wanted. Yeah. Um, which is which is just it's just perfect. It just it's just really funny. This though goes into a callback later when uh, George has a similar situation uh, with a girl he's dating and he uses the same thing and it doesn't uh, turn out the way either, but that's a really fun. And I do love, um, Elaine having this whole hijinks with this, you know, racket that she's going to try to get back. Mm-hmm. That even though it wasn't like hers to give up in the beginning with, which is, which is just kind of hilarious. Like her, uh, her hijinks with her job is just funny. And you got to laugh at all the jobs that she's kind of undertake undertaken. Yeah. She's had, a lot of big jobs and this is kind of the time when she's working for Mr. Pitt, uh, this kind of British, you know, uh, high businessman. And she's kind of like his assistant doing all the stuff for him. And um, yeah, it kind of led to that scene where, you know, George is dating this girl and he's kind of bragging about to Kramer. Uh, you know, she's so beautiful in her body. And he's like, well, she's probably a bulimic. And he kind of gets upset about that. And he's like, how would I even tell? And he's like, does she go to the bathroom after every meal? And he's like, yeah, she does. So he decides to pay a matron at this restaurant they're going to go to to spy on this, you know, his girlfriend. And George comes to realize that this is Kramer's estranged mother, Babs. So this was kind of a first time we're getting a family for Kramer. And not only another first time, we finally get, we finally get the first name, uh, <laughs> Cosmo, uh, which is a great moment because George only gets to know the name and then later it gets to share with you know jerry and elaine oh which is a great uh, scene which is a which great is a great scene because they're just cracking up and then kramer comes in and he's like what what cosmo and then he kind of embraces it and goes that's my name and you know he's you know but what a funny name and cosmo kramer i mean perfect perfect <laughs> um and then yeah that whole racket thing you know, eventually kramer's like oh i'll get it for elaine i know who has it uh newman does and he tries to sneak into Newman's apartment thinking he's gone for the weekend and he catches Newman with his mom uh, in a uh, loving embrace, if you will. So that was a big like a dun dun dun. Because um, funny thing about Newman, you know, we, we haven't talked a lot about him, uh, not because we don't want to. Um, Wayne Knight really is what I would consider like the strong fifth member of Seinfeld in terms of uh, the greatest uh, side character that pops in a lot. Uh, as kind of Jerry's arch enemy, yeah. uh, but he's a longtime friend and pal of Kramer. They do a lot of scheming together as well. Uh, so there's, you know, we haven't really talked too much about him yet, but I, I will say that there's been there's a lot of scenes of Wayne Knight in this show that sometimes are just one-liners, sometimes little moments. But of course, one of his best things he's ever done is uh, look for the. I don't, I don't, I'm trying to remember what episode it is, but there's a great episode where he goes into the whole monologue about the mail and how no one really needs mail. 
and then the mail system will crumble if no one needs mail. And he kind of does it in a way where he keeps talking so fast, he actually runs out of breath, <laughs> which is like great. Um, but anyway, the doorman, uh, which features Larry Miller as the doorman. Oh, yes. And I love that this kind of played into the idea of um, him kind of being like jealous and kind of like angry and being like, oh, so what? You think you're better than me? You know, it must be nice to kind of have that life, you know, like, and Jerry's kind of taking it like, you know, he's not trying to make it seem like he's better than him or anything, but this, this doorman keeps kind of having a vendetta for him. And the doorman's actually supposed to go out with Lane. And so there's this whole sequence where, you know, they go on a date on the way back. The doorman thinks that Jerry's following him. He's like, what are you following me now? And he's like, uh, what are you doing here? He's like, I live here. Oh, a doorman can't live on the streets. I trying to say like, you know, he keeps playing this idea that the doorman's not as good as him. And then at least to a point where he has to run out. He's like, Hey, could you, could you just watch the post for like a few minutes? Let me just go out and get a beer. Just one beer. And he's like, I don't know. And he's like, come on, one beer. I'll be back in like 15 minutes. He's like, okay, fine. You know, he kind of feels like he owes him one because of how he made him feel, which then of course he takes advantage and leaves for a long time. So, you know, Jerry's at the position he's kind of looking around, he's doing it. And then after a little bit, he's like, I oh, forget this. And he actually, leaves mm -hmm. to which then the couch of the lobby is stolen the more humorous thing about this episode was kramer being the man that not only has these random schemes but he has sometimes a random inventions or ideas that no one really think about uh, at this point frank george's dad has been staying with george for a while as he's kind of separated from uh his wife for the time being and george starts to notice that Frank has man boobs, if you will. And George starts to freak out thinking that maybe he's inherited his dad's man boobs. And there's a great scene there in the cafe and George is looking down his shirt and he keeps like shaking it. And they're just watching him going like, what are you yes. doing? And Kramer decides to help Frank out and he invents the man's ear or the bro. Yeah. <laughs> which, which again, is part of pop culture. You hear that all oh. the time. Yeah. And just the moment where George, I think it's George and his, his girlfriend at the time. No, his mom. Oh, it's his, oh, that's right. No, it's when his they mom. walk in. Mm -hmm. That's right. He's trying to get them back together because he's like, if they get back together, he'll leave my apartment. And they hear this kind of like you know, dun 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 dun, dun like kind of you know, fun like <laughs> elevator music. And they walk in, and Kramer's fitting this bra onto Frank, and then she just loses it. And oh my like, god! Yeah, and this is it's a great episode for Jerry Stiller. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and one i mean there are so many great characters we have to you know we couldn't possibly talk about but in terms of like the parents and the family of these characters you gotta admit the costanzas are it, it's some comedy some gold with them too yeah. so comedy gold. especially stiller um jerry stiller well uh season seven has one of the most iconic characters related to seinfeld that has become infamous uh and that, of course, would be episode six, The Soup Nazi. And, of course, that's my episode as well. So good There choice. we go, yeah. So this is a featuring actor Larry Thomas, uh, who plays the Soup Nazi. And this was just a funny episode because it was, you know, oh, it's the new hot spot in New York. And, you know, this happens a lot. You think of like a, a new kind of off, off the path, uh, you know, hole in the wall kind of food place. And it's a soup kitchen. It's like a soup, you know little restaurant thing though is the guy who makes the soups has a very strict ordering process so jerry gets george 
you know, it's like, listen, though, there's no joking around here. There's a strict order process. You go in, you say what you want, you move two steps to the left, you put your money on the counter, you get the bang and you leave. Yeah. It's a very like, and it's funny because you know, they call him the soup Nazi. And <laughs> then, you know, eventually Elaine hears about it and comes in and is just like, uh, let's see what you got. And she's like banging on the counter and like, you know, being very Elaine. And, you know, then we get the infamous, uh, no soup for you. And, you know, and at one point I love when uh, George, George is like, uh, when he first gets denied. Yes. He's like, he's like, and Jerry's like, just walk away. Just walk away. And he's like, I really want my bread. And he's like, bread, $3. He's like, bread, $5. Like, and it keeps increasing <laughs> the price. So you can tell this guy is very, very uptight. Meanwhile, Elaine has this armoire and she entrusts Kramer to watch it. And this is actually, we get a group of characters that we will see later in the show. Yeah, quite a bit. This, this couple that, uh, this couple of men that you could tell are probably husbands or boyfriends. And they basically um, are very like rude to Kramer and like very, friend very him int- essentially. Very intense, yeah. <laughs> like, we take the armor. It's our armor now. Yeah. Uh, and I love that one's kind of more Latin and like they're very intense. And so Kramer ends up like losing the armor. So Elaine's very upset. And at some point, of course, Kramer being Kramer is like easy going, able to talk to the soup Nazi with no problems. It's, you know, he's sitting there just hanging out, having yeah, soup. Yeah, hanging out, having soup, you know, it's like no problem. And he's like, uh, oh, my friend, I lost her armor. And he's like, you need an armor? I have one in my storage. I give to you. When he finds out Elaine has been given armor, he's like, you know, I should have taken that armor and destroyed it myself. <laughs> But in the armor, she found his recipes. And this is actually one of my all-time favorite, you know, Julia Louis-Dreyfus acting moments. Her coming up to the soup Nazi and being like, starts naming off the recipes. And he's like, you got my recipes. That's right, soup Nazi. You're, You're finished. You're done. Next! Yeah. That's a great end of the episode. So, gotta love the soup Nazi. What a, what a great, great episode. Yeah. And actually, I believe there's actually... I think there's been some actual restaurants that have been inspired off of that. I would say, and I think this, the character of the soup Nazi has just become like, so it was based on a real character, but it was just very funny that again, this cameo, just this one bit part would be just a huge, huge thing that is Mm -hmm. just part of pulp culture. And again, I think the term, then Nazi would be kind of just a great term for exaggeration or anything like, oh, you're a grammar Nazi or you're you're this. Uh, and just just such a great episode. And I do love the little um, plot with Jerry and his girlfriend. They're like, schmoopy. And they're all like yeah. the whole baby talk. And then, of course, this is a great episode where, you know, George and, and Susan and they kind of like fight over it, which is <laughs> which is so great because they're trying to like outdo each other. And I there's one point where he's making out with Susan, like right in the restaurant and everything like that. I just... Oh, just so good. So, yeah, I'm glad we both agreed for that episode because it is great. My uh, episode would have to be the episode 19, and that would be The Calzone. Same here, buddy. <laughs> very nice. Very <laughs> nice. Uh, nice. Now, I'll go, I'll, I'll be, you know, about the plot. This is great. This is, again, we get a little bit more of Steinbrenner, and I think I love the interactions with Costanza and Steinbrenner. And this is great because, you know, he gets uh, he gets kind of uh, Steinbrenner's ear, we're introducing these calzones that are really good. And he's like, Oh, there's really good calzones. So Steinbrenner's like, you gotta get these calzones. So now like 
he loves George so much. Like, I want to hear all your ideas and everything. He's like, oh, now I have like this basically food. This is a drug to him. I need to keep getting it. And so he, you know, I need to keep getting calzones. So he's kind of addicted to the calzones. And, um, and I do, I, another plot we have coming on here. Kramer has this like addiction. And of course he goes through these fads where he likes heating up his clothes, uh, in, you know, or instead of dryers, he uses ovens. And that's mm-hmm. how he like, he, he like, I like having my clothes like hot, hot out of the oven. And he has this whole thing going on. And, um, you also get this great plot of Elaine. She keeps getting tricked into going out to dinner with this guy, but he never actually asks her out. And she's like, what is this? And like, and they're going out like, Oh, what are you talking about? Just, uh, you know, two people, you know, ha- hanging out, you know, you lost a bet. Cause of course he bets her. Oh, Dustin Hoffman was in Star Wars, which of course no, everyone knows that he wasn't in Star Wars. So it's a stupid yeah. bet, but he keeps going out and then like, he ends up, you know, Oh, these are my parents. So like they, they pretty much do all these things without actually like going out. And it's just kind of this fun, clever way where this is like definitely a plot that's happened to someone. And, uh, we also get a great relationship with Jerry and one of his girlfriends where it's actually pretty awesome. Cause this girlfriend, she gets away with everything. Um, cause she has this like superpower. Yeah. She's like an attractive model type. And so he's like, Oh, could you do this for me? And she somehow sways people to do what he wants all the time, which is great. But yeah, it's just a funny episode. And I love that Steinbrenner is so obsessed with the sandwich that he's like, uh, you know, what do we think it's at a George? And he's like, uh, oh, I was thinking of maybe trying like, you know, some, uh, tacos or something like, nope, nope, nope. I want that eggplant calzone. <laughs> and he's like, so obsessed with it. And then <laughs> the fact that, you know, at some point George is not allowed to go buy them anymore. He kind of gets banned. So he has Kramer go do it, but all Kramer has is these giant cargo pants full oh my of, God. Of, of coins. So he's like trying to pay for the sandwiches with coins. And the guy behind the, you know, he's getting so tired. He's like, what is this coins and stuff? He's like, wait, is that a, how big is that oven there? And he wants to, he wants to put his clothes in the oven. And of course it's a giant pizza. oven. they're going to get burnt. I just see all these ridiculous, ridiculous well, stuff. And also that whole thing with the tip jar that George gets in the situation. It's such a great like thing that, you know, when you go out and nobody sees you put it in and that, no that one sees you put it in. And then he, he, you know, yeah, he, he puts it in the guys and see it, but he wants the satisfaction of seeing that he tipped him. So then he tries to take it out and the guy thinks he's stealing. He's like, no, no, no. I just put that in. He's like, you're trying to take my tips. He grabs his arm. You know, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's a, it's a hilarious, you know, when you're trying to do something good, but because he got that slight bit of cocky, I wanted the satisfaction of him seeing it and uh, ends up being a great episode. And I do like at some point, you know, Kramer's put his clothes in the vent and, and then, you know, or, he, you know, puts the calzones. And so Steinbrenner's running around trying to find the calzone. It's just like a funny, like obsessed obsession with a, a sandwich. So um, I'm totally new. We we're going to be on the same picture with that. Yeah, we might be for the next one as well. Uh, going to season eight here. My first episode that I really liked because I thought it was a funny uh, concept was the Bizarro Jerry episode three. Oh, very nice. Um, so this was kind of fun where we've gotten these moments where of the four, if there's a character that almost feels like they might be able to grow up and move on from the, the stupidity of these men is Elaine. And, you know, Elaine starts a friendship with these three guys that are essentially like bizarro versions of Jerry George. And, and this shows Kramer. just the great obsession of Jerry's character that he loves Superman, which is, is a great oh, whole reference. He loves it. Superman, which we, uh, they reference or show an image of Superman 
in every episode of Seinfeld. Um, but this was great. We had Tim Decay, Pat Kilbane, and Kyle T. Hefner here playing these three guys. Mm -hmm. And it just was funny because, you know, they're like the overly nice versions of these three guys. And, you know, Elaine's kind of like, there's a, there's a great scene at the end too, where it's kind of like the, the West Side Story, like standoff and Elaine's yeah. in the middle and they're all like, Hey, how's it going? And they, you know, they, they're standing in the same positions and Elaine's just like, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to go with these guys. Um, meanwhile, in this episode too, you know, Jerry having his fair share of usually dating very attractive women, he's still dating attractive women in this episode, but this woman has man hands. And this was a great concept where she would talk and do things and then they would cut to the camera and then have a man, you know, like touch Jerry's face or, you know, crack open that lobster, crack like. a huge lobster. <laughs> and, you know, this and idea of this attractive fun, woman, but it has man fun hands. fact, fun fact, real quick. We talked about earlier about uh, the woman played Nan Flanagan, uh, Bonnie from True Blood. Kristen Bauer plays man hands who would mm -hmm. play Pam, everyone's favorite female vampire in that show. That's right. So I thought that was, yeah, but the, the, every that whole scene and he's just like we have a little something here and it just just comedy comedy gold i man, and of man course hands. kramer kramer has these moments in some episodes where he gets caught up in a situation and he just kind of goes with it and everyone kind of thinks you know uh you know he goes to the bathroom in this building and all of a sudden the, you know he kind of gets caught into this meeting and also he starts working for this this company and, you know, there's moments where Jerry's like, where are you going? He's like, I've got work. It's like, I got and the I grind here. You know, by the end of the episode, he's like, uh, you're fired. And he's like, I don't even work here. <laughs> That's what makes this so difficult. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Like, I don't even work here. That, And also we get the great, they've used that song twice, that nine to five uh, by Sheena Easton. It takes the money uh just so funny it's a great so, it's a great, yeah. it's a great song that they bring back and forth and um um that was tough not to, that was not on my list but it, it it was tough but mine actually uh came right after that episode four and that is the little kicks <laughs> and um this episode of course the, the, one of the main reasons why i love this is because it just shows elaine and her really bad dancing and I just, I just love that scene because we all know someone who is just a horrible dancer, but we never want to tell them because it'd just be too difficult. But I just love that moment when George goes to Jerry, like, you ever seen Elaine dance? Elaine dance. I didn't want to bring it up. And there's this whole great plot of Jerry becomes this bootlegger of films, which I think is kind of funny because this is still like, even in today's society, there's, you know torrenting and you know people downloading stuff so it's still kind of a you know common thing but i just love the guy the bootlegger every time he's like jerry loved your work you know <laughs> and then there's a part where she records herself dancing and it comes into the the film but uh that it's that's just the the main part of her dancing and this just becomes this whole thing but what i love about also the scene with george is um you know elaine's thinking you know george is the problem that everyone you know, hated her or hated the party. And it's like, Oh, it's George. So like this George, like this one girl there and she's like, stay away from her. So it turns George into the bad boy. And so now he has to do this little persona and Jerry's like, you're the bad friend, the bad roommate. Now you're the bad boy. So, <laughs> and just these great scenes where he's kind of just, he's got like a little Letterman jacket and he's just hanging by the mm -hmm. car. Like, 
And then, of course, uh, his dad at the end, you want a piece of me? I want the whole thing. And like that, that's just a great ending to that episode. But that's why I picked Little Kicks for sure. Well, my next one's episode 13, The Comeback. Uh, this is something that we've all thought of before. You know, you, you're, you've, you've gone to a situation where you say something and then you drive away and go, ah, dang, I should have said that instead. Or, you know, and this is kind of a moment where uh, George is working at his new job and he's sucking down these uh, shrimp cocktails. Yeah. And uh, the guy goes, you know, like, hey, George, the ocean called. They're running out of shrimp. And he's like stuck thinking like, what the hell did I come up with? And his big retort is after a few days, he's like, I'll do it again. So I can say, well, the jerk store car called, they're running out of you, which he, of course, tests, he tests on his friends and they kind of go, they, they don't really think it's that funny. And George, of course, is so upset. And he's like, I'm sticking with jerk store. I know. And they always, they have like really, and they have really good comebacks and he doesn't want to take it. Like, no, th- yeah, he, this is gold. He doesn't, he doesn't want to take it. He's so like, no, I'm going with my own. And of course, once he does, then the guy goes, well, how can they when you're the number one, you know, number one product? And of, and of course, and he uses like Kramer. He uses Kramer's line before, and yeah. Kramer's like, "Tell me, I had sex with his wife." <laughs> um, so that's just a great. Like, I love how constantly we see these moments of George getting back in his car, and he's so angry, and then he kind of like does a big U-turn, like, "Ha ha, I'm gonna say that instead." And then, meanwhile, we have this whole plot with Jerry is playing tennis from Milosh and is like he realizes that he's not very good at tennis so he's like okay he's like please can you just pretend to be let me beat you so my wife can think I'm good you know so he does but it kind of gets him really upset you know because Jerry Jerry's a pretty athletic guy he doesn't want to lose yeah and he doesn't want to see his wife thinks he's weak and so at one point he gets very angry and he hits it very hard which then makes Milosh kind of throw his uh his racket in the air and it's one of those you know shoot tennis things that kind of help with practice and ends up hitting the ball which then hits kramer in the head and why this is funny is earlier in this mo- in this episode uh elaine has been taking the advice of this guy named vincent from you know her local like hall uh you know like a hollywood or like blockbuster video yeah, yeah, kind of thing uh and she's kind of got like a romance going on making phone calls with him of course she finds out later that's a teenager um <laughs> <laughs> but Kramer had watched a movie about a woman who gets into a coma and it kind of freaks him out. He, he ends up making the living will saying that, uh, you know, essentially do not resuscitate. He's like, you know, if it comes to that point in time, let me be. Then he wants to change his mind and he's too late to his meeting. So he gets hit by this tennis ball and he's in the hospital. And at some point, Elaine's trying to find a plug to plug in the VCR. Cause he wants to watch a movie. So she unplugs the thing and Kramer looks over and thinks that it's the plug to his life. <laughs> He's just like, the oh, just, like a great, just a great, just a, and that goes to, I love the screenshot, like the, the freeze yeah. frame. Some of them oh, are yeah. just some of the best ones. Well, moving on to our last season, season nine. Uh, my episode was the 10th episode and that would be the strike. Mm, a great one. Scab, yeah. scab. Uh, this was great because for many reasons, I mean, number one, this is where we're introduced to the holiday of Festivus, you know, yes, a Festivus for the rest of us, rest which of is, us. which is a great, great. This is, I think one of Jerry Stiller's, you know, best, best episodes. Cause this is very Jerry Stiller. So we get this, you know, great, first of all, great beginning when they're out this uh, Hanukkah party, we get a little Tim Watley again, which Brian mm-hmm. Cranston's Tim Watley is great. And, uh, there's this whole great thing where Elaine, you know, oh, denim vest. She gives out 
fake number. She has this ongoing thing with giving out her fake number, and she's trying to get this free sandwich from a place that has horrible subs, but she's like, it's just we've all had that. We're like, if I get 10 of these, I get the 11 free, you know? Mm-hmm. So that's the whole thing's going on, and, and Jerry meets this really cute girl, and then he, like, meets her later, and she becomes what he finds out is uh, a two-face. <laughs> Someone that looked good and bad, depending on she's the like light. Je- she's like Jekyll and Hyde, depending on the light. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's funny because this is where kind of uh, there's this opposite thing where George and Jerry will constantly kind of like be the expert on women. So this is where George, again, kind of takes him under the uh, wing. But this is so, so many great things. And again, we get Mr. Kruger, you know, George's last like boss to the series ends here. And Mr. Kruger is just, <laughs> one of the, just this, this big idiot, pretty much like he I don't know how he stays in business, but there's so many great uh things where and george is like you know oh here's a gift uh donated to the human fund <laughs> yeah this whole foundation uh but the whole ending with the festivus celebration is just is, is just great but the strike title is perfect because we realize this whole time this whole series kramer seems to have money but he never works yeah. And he does all these odd jobs. We realize he's been on strike for this bagel shop for this whole time. And he goes back to work uh, for them. And it's just, just it really kind and of. Con- and of course, he's terrible at his job. Yeah, at one point, exactly. he's chewing gum. And he's trying to make the dough with the bagels. And then the gum falls into the dough. And of course, the great co- comedy, you know, physical comedy, he keeps trying to look for the gum. And the manager is like right there. And he's like, You're fired. And he's like, Oh, actually, you know, and he's like, I'm going back on strike. And it's like, just so like the hilarious moment. Yeah. Thinking that Kramer did have a job and he's been holding out this entire time. And he's like, you're still on strike. The other guys, they left like years ago, you know, and they, and like, as if Kramer, of course, was clueless to not know this whole situation. But that Festivus really has become another iconic thing with the show. Um, you know, the whole idea of there's a pole instead of a Christmas tree uh you know you, you you tell people off of what you don't like about them and then uh the wrestling and i love that it kind of leads this whole like george kind of like he's kind of having a panic attack about reliving his youth of this holiday and you know kramer at first is all like very uh gung-ho for it but he realizes he has to go back to work uh before the whole end sequence and he's like you know what frank this holiday's a little out there yeah and i do love the callback when they're all the all the dinner and uh you know, Mr. Kruger knows uh, him as Dr. Van Nostrand when he was yeah. looking at these moles for him. And again, it's a great combat callback to all of Kramer's like alter egos, alter egos that yeah. he uses. And it just, the, he gets in these characters, but it's so great. But yeah, I do love the interactions with Kramer and uh, uh, Papa Costanza. Cause it just, it's just so many great comedy gold scenes from the bro to Festivus is perfect. Well, my last episode here is episode 18, The Bookstore. So I love this episode. Uh, Jerry catches Uncle Leo shoplifting. And he's kind of like, you know, wondering about it. Uh, doesn't turn him in yet. Just kind of like, hmm. Uh, and then George takes this giant book into the bathroom. They're at a bookstore. And of course, it then gets flagged. Uh, he's forced to buy it, which he is very, uh, you know, opposed to. And then he's going on this whole quest to try to see if he can sell it somewhere and everywhere he goes, thrift store, no matter what it is, this, this, this book's been flagged, red flagged. Like, what are you talking about? It's been in the bathroom. So it's like haunting him. It's following him and he can't seem to get rid of this book. Meanwhile, Kramer and Newman up again to a very random scheme. 
are trying to find uh they, they end up getting a rickshaw from like chinatown and they're on this whole thing to try to hire people to kind of start their own kind of like taxi service with this rickshaw and they end up <laughs> they end up like auditioning a few homeless people and one of them actually ends up stealing the rickshaw away which they'll get back later but you know at some point jerry rats on uncle leo and you know talking to his parents uh he's like what and they're like he's an old man you know if it's not harmless it's if it's harmless what's the big deal and they're like you know he did go to jail before it was for a crime of passion and so jerry starts having this nightmare uh which of course is a parody of cape fear where he thinks that maybe uncle leo is going to come for him and you see uncle leo he's got like the long hair like in cape fear and he's doing like these pull-ups on the bar and he's going jerry hello <laughs> And you see, you know, on his knuckles, it says, Jerry, hello. <laughs> it's like, you know, they're really playing up the comedy of that. Um, and it just, it led to this whole kind of uh, ending where, you know, George thinks that, oh, okay, a way to get revenge for having to buy this expensive book is I will go into the same bookstore, steal the same, you know, a copy of the same book, and then I'll sell that back, get my money. And it's like, even Steven. Well, <laughs> they're in the bookstore. And of course, George is trying to be all secretive, take this giant book. And Jerry looks at the security guards. He's like, so uh, if I see anyone, you know, it, you have to capture someone. He's like, yeah, just one person I'll do. And he's like, that guy right there. And of course, Jerry happily points to George and all the security guards <laughs> swarm him for uh, stealing. So it's a great, great ending. And of course, George is very upset, so. Uh, I do love the bookstore. That's my last episode there. Very nice indeed. So this is again uh, tough, but uh, again, what I like about Seinfeld is very referential to pop culture and stuff. And this is fun because again, you're getting really great uh, George Costanza. Uh, my episode would have to be the 18th episode is the Frogger. And <laughs> This oh, is a, that was a that was a very close one for me. It was yeah. between bookstore and Frogger. So yeah. Frogger's uh, the, great. Oh, it's great. Again, we get great. Uh, there's a lot of great things for all the characters here. Elaine is, you know, got this thing where she is tired of all the celebrations of all the cakes, and she, you know, just kind of like done with it. And where you know her, she can only handle so much like social interaction with people. And then there's this great thing where she's like, let's just be done you know, with the cakes. And so, uh, this, this, get this whole thing where, you know, they, um, you know, she's kind of like, I'm done with this, you know, all this socialization. And then, um, which is really funny because, you know, she's so used to the sugar hot cause she had so much cake. And then this whole thing where she like goes in and Peter's office and like, Oh, this is cake. She eats it. She realized, She's eating a $29,000 cake from King mm -hmm. Edward, uh, the eighth wedding to Wallace Simpson. And she's like, Oh my God, I ate, like, I've eaten this cake. That's like, you know, this much money. So there's this whole thing as she tries to like, you know, get a replacement and everything like that. It just, it's just funny where these, these moments where these characters put themselves in a situation and that leads them to like more hijinks. But I, I love, do... I love that scene when at the end, you know, he gets, uh, he, uh, Peter Ryan gets the, you know, like a, a guy that knows how to tell cakes. He's like a, he's like a, 
architect for cakes, if you will. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's like, uh, all right, man, go ahead and tell me how much it's worth. And he's like, um, 249. And he's like, $249,000. My gosh. He's like, no, 249. It's an Entenmann's. <laughs> and then <laughs> I can see Elaine is like, there's that song that she's been singing. Uh, get well, get well soon. Hope you can get well. Get well. <laughs> you can tell yeah. that she, you know, there's multiple times where she's messed up with Peterman. But this is a definitely a big one where it's yeah. just like yeah oh. how she how she's lasted this long, but we get so this fun. great this great plot where they find uh, this little like place that Jerry and George used to go to eat, like eat pizza and go Mario's, and uh, he sees this Frogger old gate arcade game and it still has his high score there, and they're like oh my god this is really this is really awesome and then all of a sudden they find out you know he's. Um, you know, going to be, you know, going out of business. So he's like, oh man, what's going to happen to this Frogger thing? So he's like, I need to get this. But he's like, if we, you know, if we unplug it, then it deletes and resets. So he has this great like situation where he works with Kramer and these buddies with Slippery Pete, uh, Peter Stormare, who, you know, he's done so many things, an amazing character actor and plays just a great villain. Um, And uh, it's just this whole thing where they have this whole idea. We're going to connect this long and you're going to get over there. And then he has to get it across the street. He's like, I can do this, Jerry. Cause they, they run out, realize the power is going to run out. So he does it in Frogger with the original sounds that they use in Frogger as he tries to get across the street. Of course he doesn't make it. And Frogger is destroyed, but it's just such a great situation where he's like, I can, I can do this. Is that a moment right there where uh, it's a, it's a, a line that Jerry says, throughout the show the whole series i think that might be a moment there but i love when jerry always has moments where he's like that's a shame uh, like like he like he moves on i think that might be a moment when that happens those moments where jerry just you could tell it's it's sympathy for about a millisecond and then uh, back to my life i don't care uh but it is a great like big action sequence of this whole like george having to like dodge out of the way as this truck just piles through which but it's like, so his silly hands because, are up his yeah. hands are up like don't you dare it's so silly though because i'm like no one would ever just keep driving <laughs> like like they of course do that for the high you know sense of drama uh but like in real new york city like if you're in the middle of the street no one's gonna start driving into you like you know they'll try to go around so but anyway it is a fun episode and i do kind of yeah kind of like how they filmed it in a meta way where he really was playing like real life Frogger with this Frogger machine. That was pretty clever. But I think um, it's, I think it's great that like Jason Alexander, you know, he performed that. That was his own stunt as he dives mm-hmm. on a path of the truck, which I think is pretty great. Um, you know, the, for such a, a comedic show that there are some stunts involved and things like that. Um, but apparently like he, he counted that big pieces from the paneling of the Frogger machine landed pretty close to his head so it was like <laughs> i could have got injured on that which you wouldn't think which is really funny and uh fun fact uh nickelodeon star drake bell actually makes a cameo as one of the kids playing frogger that he does <laughs> that he does i remember that well taylor you know we've talked about a lot of our favorite episodes and there's more that we didn't touch on because there's so much love the show but you know, I think Seinfeld will be a, a show that will really stand the test of time. It, it's still one of the best shows of all time for a reason. Uh, even though, yes, there's some dated uh, things in the show technologically and, you know, some pop culture references might be 
dated for some audiences. Uh, their overall themes and the overall kind of plots and overall uh, character developments and you know the silly things that happen or or no no character development <laughs> or well yeah just a lot of the stuff I think happens in the show uh, is timeless comedy. I think it's brilliant and it was groundbreaking. Uh, there's a reason why it keeps getting you know constantly uh, reran on different networks and uh, you know we had the the small reunion via Kirby Enthusiasm season seven, where, you know, within the show of that, you know, they kind of chose to do a, a reunion show uh, so that Larry could get back his ex-wife. Um, and that really kind of has been the closest we've had to any kind of reunion show. Um, I don't really know if we would get a proper Seinfeld reunion show, but there is something about those characters in a 2020, you know, 2021 world with technology, you know, technology and and seeing what they would be like now, uh, it'd be kind of fun to see what these characters would be like, you know, 20 years later. Mm -hmm, yeah. um, so I don't know if I were going to get that, but, you know, I always love this show. I have the full DVD box set uh, collection. And uh, usually I try to do a rewatch of the whole series at least once every year, every two years, but I haven't done one in a while. I know you just got through it. Um, so I might have to do a rewatch soon because I, I absolutely love Seinfeld. I think yeah. I think going back and talking about this has kind of made you like itching. I'm kind of like oh, I there. need to rewatch these episodes. I know. It's like Phew, you just you just always going to be put on. So um. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I completely agree. It's it is going to be a timeless show, and that's why we keep coming back for more. Because you're right, the concepts, the characters, the idiosyncrasies, and these situations, these everyday situations that they seem so absurd when you watch the show, but you realize these are things that have happened to me. Or these are thoughts or things I wish I did in those situations. So I think that's what makes it so endearing because these characters aren't lovable because they rep, but they are lovable in the sense that they represent um, kind of all the bad habits, the bad parts of us that we don't really like to reveal to everyone because there we've had these thoughts we just don't make them out loud or we we don't do that. So I think that why we we identify with these characters so well and why we keep gluing our screens to uh, being glued to our screens to watch them indeed <laughs> i do that for you yeah <laughs> sorry um but yeah so uh thanks for listening to our seinfeld uh man this show is a good one so uh we'll have to we'll have to revisit this uh down the road at some point giddy up giddy up well chris what a nice time to go back on memory lane as we celebrate what an iconic show and the legacy that's left behind. It was so nice going back and looking at all these episodes that I think not only were our favorites, but I think defined us as fans of comedy and fans of just entertainment. Yeah. And like we said, it was so hard to really narrow it down to, you know, those favorites. Cause there's, there's, I feel like there's tons of uh, episodes that have maybe select scenes that you definitely remember, but, uh, you know, the, there's those true iconic moments that define that show that stand the test of time that are just brilliant. So, you know, it was a fun time to go back, share them. And I always love, you know, we kind of make a list of episodes or, you know, characters. We don't know each other's list until we record. And I like that, you know, there was a few episodes, you know, and different seasons that you and I were exactly great minds think alike. Uh, 
It's a fun game. It's it's also a slippery slope because you know it could end a friendship, but thankfully it hasn't yet. So, uh, but yeah, I always like to I like the surprise in your eyes. Look at the surprise in your eyes uh, when I uh, <laughs> reveal uh, my episodes. So, uh, but that was good. Yeah, and I brought up some great points and made me think rethink some of the ones I liked. I'm like, mm, I have to go back and check that one out. So, but yeah, what a what a good time. Hope you all enjoyed you know listening to this episode as we celebrate not only you know, reaching this amazing milestone of how long we've been out in the podcast community, but also celebrating a show that's continued to stand the test of time. Although, as we've seen with technology and other references, a little dated, but I think the humor, the concepts, and, you know, just these iconic, we say iconic a lot, but those memorable lines phrases that are just stuck in the lexicon of entertainment yeah, society. I mean, you said it best right there. So, Thanks again for listening today, folks. And uh, just we're so happy that we we hit that one-year milestone and we're looking forward to all that can come in another year of podcasting right here on The Potential Podcast. Thanks for listening to The Potential Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Potential Podcast or on Twitter at The Potential Pod. Or you can email us. Send us your positive feedback and thoughts, suggestions, and more through our email the Potential Podcast at Yahoo.com. I'm your host, Chris Dewar. And I'm your host, Taylor Sokol. Stay tuned for more episodes on pop culture, entertainment, and nerdum. And remember, know, know your, your potential. potential.